Hi there, welcome to Urbinary, the podcast cataloging the everyday and extraordinary in the city. Hello everyone and welcome back to Urbinary. My name is Giulia and today Maya and I will be chatting with Reza Shirazi. Reza is a reader in sustainable urban design and development at the School of the Built Environment, Oxford Brookes University and a visiting professor at the Department of Architecture and Urban Studies at Politecnico di Milano. He has worked on various topics such as citizen participation, neighborhood development, phenomenology of the built environment, sociocultural sustainability, architectural and urban transformation in the MENA countries, and finally, urban justice and environmental justice, which is the theme of today's episode. Urbinary. Reza Shirazi is an urban planner and documentary film director. In his film Never Surrenders, he narrates the community's fight for environmental justice and documents the conflict between the people and the government over the safety of the shipyard in San Francisco, Bayview Hunters, Hunters Point neighborhood. It was a former military base that came contaminating during and after World War II and after was found to have falsified data. As a result, San Francisco's largest redevelopment project became the largest eco-fraud case in US history. And this documentary is one of aspect of many different aspects of environmental justice that we want to better understand today. Hi Raza, and thanks for, for being with us. Now to get into our main topic, which is environmental injustice, I'll turn it over to Maya. Hello Reza, thank you for joining us to get into your, our main topic. We live in a time when everyone is more or less familiar with terms like climate change. While an important issue, environmental justice has remained in the shadows. Could you give us a simple description along with the background of this important issue? Yeah, hello, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. Environmental justice uh, is more about environmental injustice, basically. Of course, we talk about justice, but when we, when we go to the cases that are uh, subject to uh, the topic of environmental just, justice, these are the cases that are in extreme cases of injustices that have happened in these in this cases. But the core idea of environmental justice is that environmental bats and environmental harms harms are disproportionately distributed and uh, disadvantaged communities or the uh, communities that are uh, uh, are not well off are suffering more from the environmental bads and environmental harms they are more exposed to the environmental problems uh, about the history of this uh, this idea it, uh, environmental justice really emerged from in the US in the United States uh, around 1980s So it's quite a uh, quite new topic, relatively new topic, uh, and was heavily influenced by the American uh, civil rights movement that happened in 1960s. And also at the beginning, it was more about environmental racism. Uh, the fact that marginalized racial communities are more exposed to environmental harms than other communities. For example, uh, one of the early uh, reports that was uh, published and was also really the, one of the main reference points for environmental justice was a study that was done, was conducted, and it showed that uh, uh, in the US, the communities of uh, 
with minorities, for example, uh, black African-Americans or Latinos. They are geographically located closer to the places that are, for example, contaminated, the places on heavily industrial places that are producing uh, waste and other things. So they, it shows that geograph geographically they are uh, located in the places that are, have environmental problems and environmental issues. And of course, later, environmental justice also was expanded to include sub, uh, ideas and, uh, uh, around gender, around ethnicity, and also around economic inequalities. Uh, uh, one important thing is that we should not uh, delimit environmental justice to distributional justice. Here is an inter interesting point. I just want to mention, uh, of course, justice has different meanings and different definitions. Uh, but uh, when we talk about environmental justice, we, we should have a kind of comprehensive understanding from environmental justice. I want to familiarize you with three concepts of, of justice. One is distributional justice. And distributional justice means that uh, it's about equal distribution of public goods and public services. For example, when we talk in urban planning context, that means that all the communities and all the people from different ethnicity, from different economic backgrounds, should have equal access to the basic public services. So this is distributional uh, justice. That means that everything should be equally distributed uh, in, in the built environment. But the other thing, but the, and this is a very dominant concept. When we talk about justice, normally we, we go for distributional justice. But there are also two other aspects of justice are also very important. One is procedural justice. That means that all the communities from different social background, ethnic background, should have also equal access to the decision-making processes. So it's more about participation. They should also have equal uh, right to participate in the city-making. So this is, the, the, this is what we call procedural justice. And the other thing is recognition justice. And it means that all the communities, again, from different backgrounds, cultural, social, and ethnical backgrounds, should also be recognized as part of the society and should have also rights. And then, with all the differences, uh, we should appreciate the differences, but at the same time, give them equal right to participate. So, when we talk about environmental justice, we normally should talk about all of them. That means that, uh, of course, we should uh, recognize that people are different, and then help them to contribute to the decision-making processes. And finally, everything should be equally distributed. And then this is more com comprehensive understanding from environmental justice that we should also take into consideration. Thank you. Uh, we know that climate change is no longer a prediction. And actually, we are already experiencing it. And some parts of the world are facing its extreme version. While searching for the interview, I came across the term climate refugees. Many experts claim that climate change may cause the largest migration of people in the history of our planet. To what extent do you agree? How prepared are we for uh, Basically, I believe climate change and climate justice is also an environmental justice issue. Because I believe that disadvantaged communities all over the world are again more exposed to the dangers of climate change and are really suffering more than others from this, uh, this, the consequences of climate, uh, 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 climate change. 
Just look at, for example, hurricanes as an example. Just look at who is suffering more from the hurricanes when it is happening. These disadvantaged people are more likely that are located very close to the risky areas. And then, for example, when a hurricane happens, then they are also more suffering from the consequences. And of course, everybody is suffering from them. But those who are well off, those who are more wealthy, of course, they can manage themselves. But for, for the really disadvantaged community, it's, being, it's going to be more critical and more crucial. Uh, and again, climate refuge is also more about poor people, you know, disadvantaged people, because they are also living in the most, as I said, in the most risky areas and are more vulnerable, basically. Are we prepared? Of course, not 100 percent. And we are doing something, you know, for, for example, from the politician's side up to the academia and all, all everybody's talking about climate, uh, climate change and also uh, minimizing the dangers of climate change and all these things are happening. And of course, we are really at the beginning. There are some very minor in interventions, minor national, international programs, but it is very politicized. So this is one of the negative things that I would want to mention it. Just uh, look at how politicians are dealing with climate justice, climate, climate change issues. When they want to make a global decision in the United Nations, for example, and other places, uh, of course, they take into consideration their national benefits and also they take into consideration their political position as well. So, I mean, the, for them, uh, of course, they might claim that climate change is, a, is, is very important. But in reality, of course, the way that they are dealing with it is very limited by their, by their political agenda as well. So this is really one, one thing that the politicizing all these uh, environmental facts is really a big, a big problem. Uh, overall, I would argue that what we need to do is that we need to go towards a more equal world, that inequalities are really minimal, you know, are, are, are reducing very much. Of course, it's so, it's small interventions are also important, but as long as the divide between the poor and the wealthy is growing, which we are witnessing in the, in the current situation as well. We will not end up with a comprehensive solution to the climate change. And about the, just coming back to the climate refugees, just uh, compare climate refugee with other types of refugees, for example. Let's get the example of the war refugees. Okay, these, all these wealthy countries, powerful countries, are creating wars. Just look at what happened in Iraq, what look at what happened in Afghanistan, or late, later in, 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 in Syria. They are creating wars, and then, of course, people uh, escape from the, their, their countries, and then they need to deal with the consequences of, the, of, the, uh, of these wars, and refugees, and also. Just, just see all the discussions that are happening right now in Europe by the, by the waves of the refugees that are coming. It's very similar to the climate change as well. Wealthy countries, powerful countries, are producing, are making more harms to the environment, are the main reasons of climate injustice and climate change, but they don't take responsibility for that. And of course, uh, these climate refugees, which are right now happening, but I believe that in the future it's going to be growing and make a big problem. And then they need also take responsibility for that. And then the, the, there is consequences for that, you know. Uh, and of course, the climate refugee is going to be a big issue in the, in the very close future. 
Where do you see the planners in the environmental justice scenario? As you know, in some cases, we can actually cause injustice. Yeah, this is really very important question. And this is something that I really deal with it in, in my teachings and uh, always highlight the importance of, of planners and also the, uh, the significant role that planners are, are playing in this regard. Of course, planning and planners also have also contributed to the urban uh, problems. Uh, this is what I believe. What we see in the world is the result of really planning. Uh, even, for example, when see in, in my, uh, in my uh, lectures and courses, we talk about informal settlements, for example. But what I want to make the students also aware is that we say that informal settlements are a problem, problem, but they are also the result of planning in general. Because when the planning as a, as a discipline is not sufficient, then people also need to do their, their own, own things and create this, this, what they call informal settlements. We see it as a problem, but the problem is really the planning. When the planning is not working, when, when planning is not, sub, is not functioning, then uh, people uh, are creative, uh, to, they need to be creative and create their own solutions for the problems. Uh, so urban planning, what you see in most of the cities are, are also as, as urban problems, are the, basically as a result of urban planning scenarios and urban planning programs very often. And planners, are, planners by themselves are also part of the problem, I believe. They used to see themselves as savers, as knowledge holders, as the, as the officers, or as the people who have the solutions. But you can see if you look at the history of urban planning, is more about history of all the failures. And of course, a little bit success stories we can also find. But just look at the urban planning, modern urban planning system of all these suburbanizations and also urban renewal programs. So all, all these things are also there are, there are also a lot of failures and failures stories, and all these things are really based on the planning and also the planners. What I want to say is that the planners have also contributed mainly to the, the, to the problems. They wanted to, so, to solve them, but they have also probably created more problems than solving the, the issues. I believe the planners should change their position in the way that they are dealing with the communities and also they need to have a very different understanding from their discipline. Uh, uh, unfortunately, most of the planning schools are just practicing the old-fashioned uh, uh, planning system, and uh, they are following the old-fashioned understanding from planners. Planners are as officers and officials that are part of the authorities, and they, they are the decision makers, they know the, re the, the problems, they can analyze everything, they can come up with great ideas, but this is the old, I believe this is the old-fashioned way of doing the things. The, plan, the planners should be learned to be socially sensitive and socially responsible and recognizing the communities and coming down from their offices, going into the neighborhoods, going to the places of, the, of, of problems, negotiating with the people and serving more as a facilitator than as, a, as the decision maker. And to see and listen to the people and then uh, co-create and co-design solutions based on the communities, you know. So this is how it should be changed. But how far we are in this position to change the planning as a discipline and also planners as, a, uh, uh, as administrative officers, uh, I still, 
I believe still we need a lot to do to change this position of the of the officer of the planners and under of our understanding from from the role of the planners in the process of city making. We have talked about what is happening or what the possible solution may be. But do you have any successful project in mind where environmental justice has been successfully considered? Uh, as I said, uh, uh, environmental justice is basically about environmental injustice. You know, uh, it is difficult to talk about success stories because it, it was generated, this idea was generated and developed because there was a problem there and there was environmental inequalities happening there. They created this idea and developed it just to address inequalities, you know. So it is more about, uh, I, I can't say unfortunately, but it's more about the bad stories, sad stories, you know, and very complicated cases where uh, environmental inequalities have been uh, a rooted practice, uh, urban practice there. And so I can't, I, can't, I can't list a lot of bad practices that are environmental injustice. But good practices probably are very, but, but it's not really the case that you know, we, we study. We, we look at the injustices, environmental injustices. Uh, let me just briefly mention the case of, uh, there, there is a, a case that I have studied in my, in my work. When I mean 20, from 2018 and to 2020, I was at UC Berkeley to study uh, environmental justice issues around uh, the neighbor, a neighborhood uh, dominantly previously dominantly black African uh, American neighborhood in San Francisco called Bayview Hunters Point. And uh, if you look at this case, which is, I believe, which is one of the good cases, of course, good is not the right word here, one of the, uh, one of the environmental justice cases. Uh, that definitely is uh, nationally and internationally uh, considerable. And uh, the, the, so the, to make very long story short is that uh, this neighborhood is a disadvantaged neighborhood in San Francisco. It used to, it used to be a dominantly black African-American, but recently the, the profile has changed, the demographic has changed. But anyway, there has been uh, a lot of injustices in this neighborhood all over the world. Uh, all over the uh, the recent uh, decades, and uh, there is a, a naval site here, a shipyard here next to the neighborhood, uh, which was uh, very active during the Second World War. And as the result of these activities, it was very much contaminated, radioactively and chemically contaminated. But when it from 1990s, this, this site, which was dysfunctioning, was empty. Uh, that the city decided to develop this land. Uh, there were two things to do. One is developing it, and they are also planning to create a huge development there, which is considered the biggest development in San Francisco. They are going to build, for example, 12,000 uh, condos and uh, residential units alongside all other uh, offices, hotels, and other things. But this land, because it is contaminated, it needs to be decontaminated and cleaned up. And from 1990s, the Navy was responsible for cleaning this, this land. And they had plans to, to clean up the land. And uh, a lot of things has happened. So I have made also a film uh, which is called Never Surrender, uh, which is all the struggle of the community for fighting against environmental justice that they are, they are facing and they are experiencing. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, the struggle for environmental justice in this case have been very significant and very important. And uh, uh, as you, uh, if you look at the story uh, of this film, uh, it is uh, about how community members have organized themselves to claim their rights, of course, and also to show that all these decontamination activities that are happening there uh, are, are, uh, have problems. They are, uh, they are exposing them, these community members, to the, uh, to the environmental uh, hazards, to environmental harms, and also the people are, uh, in this community are also very much suffering from this, uh, uh, from this environmental justice uh, issues that are happening around this uh, new development. Good that you mentioned uh, your documentary. Actually, in this podcast, we are trying to do to make awareness of urban planning and urban issues uh, by making it more easy and understandable. And my question is, like, um, have you made this documentary in order to make it more easy for ordinary people to understand it, or is it a medium that you used because you were interested in filmmaking? Yeah, actually, it is both of them. You know, the, of course, I am not a documentary filmmaking, but uh, I have made one. Uh, but wh why I did it? Because I was also fascinated by the power of documentary. And I used to watch different documentaries and also some of them related to urban issues. I was aware of the power of documentary filmmaking. And also, this is why I, when I decided to do this research, I put in the proposal because we normally make a proposal and it should be uh, accepted and uh, uh, it should be funded. So I proposed making a documentary around uh, the, this, the issue that I am studying. And then uh, uh, when I went there and started looking at the case, and of course, it's a live project. That means that it is happening right now. And then I need to engage with the case, go to the to the site, go to the community meeting, go to the protest. So because, you know, when I arrived there, it was really the time that this fraud that I'm, I'm talking in the film, it came to the public. So the, the people were very angry. They organized themselves. They did a lot of protests. So I was, I was there and started filming them. And, uh, the, you know, I, I believe the documentary or video, basically, and also about the documentary as well, uh, is powerful tool for, from two perspectives. One is for doing research. We can think a little bit out of box because going out of these ordinary ways of and uh, research methods that we normally do, like uh, observing, like interviewing people, like uh, looking at archival material. So these are what we normally as urban researchers do. But you can also use the video, the term, the medium of video for doing the research. For example, uh, going and uh, filming the the events and uh, interviewing people and also going to protests and filming them. So this could be as a way of data collection, let's say. You know, you can visually collect data and then use it and uh, to, to try to, to, to make sense from uh, out of this data. So this is one aspect of it, Res uh, documentary or video as a research tool to collect data. But the other thing is that uh, you can also look at a documentary film as an output. Okay, again, what we do as the classical way of doing research is that we publish, for example, journal articles, what we call it peer review journal articles. So, uh, yeah, of course, I don't want to uh, 
you know, under, undervalue the, these uh, peer-reviewed journal articles. But these are really the target is for, again, academics. Nobody reads them except academics to, for, for, for reading and referencing. But it has nothing to do with community, you know. I believe, uh, let's also talk about one, another aspect, interesting one. <clears throat> when we, as urban planners and urban researchers, when we go to the communities, and the probably more disadvantaged communities, places that, are, that, that there are urban problems and you want to investigate them, you go there, you collect data, you interview people, you do a lot of observations, and also you get knowledge from the community members. You know, basically what we do is that we're collecting what they have already produced. You know, we just take them and take them to our offices and then produce books and journal articles, which uh, really many of them have no impact on the, on the society. And there is an ethical issue here. This is very important. The ethical issue is that Okay, you are, collect, you are learning from the community what you are going to give them back in return. This is an ethical issue. You, they, they are, you are learning from them, then you have a responsibility to give something back to them. And I, I believe uh, that making a documentary, uh, if it is uh, about the community, the community, for example, in our case, in my case, the fight of the community uh, of, for, uh, for their rights, and you are recording them, you, you are making your film, and then this is uh, their stories, you know, their very first-hand stories. And you make a documentary, and of course you are spreading you, the, their word all over, the, all over the world. For example, in my case, I have screened this film more than 35 uh, different cities and countries, you know, different events uh, worldwide, coming from Canada to South Africa to Romania, ev everywhere. And I am very, very pleased when uh, I take this documentary film and uh, to, to different locations and we watch together and discuss them. And then we also understand their, their struggle for environmental justice is a global struggle. Similar stories are happening all over the world, uh, here in Milan, in other places. And then people, people start to associate with them and also sympathize with, with them. And it makes me ethically, let's say, more comfortable that I have learned from them, and, but I'm also helping them by just uh, spreading their words. And this is probably something that they can't do because, the, but I have, uh, it, it is within my ability and my, my power to, to do it. And uh, so this is why I, I believe documentary film is also important. What I'm doing here in, uh, in uh, Poly Polytechnic this semester uh, is that, uh, as you mentioned, I am the, the 2023 visiting professor here teaching contemporary cities. And I said that, okay, let's also uh, integrate this documentary element to, the, to studying urban cities worldwide. This is what, why I proposed, proposed the idea of contemporary cities in and through documentary film. And uh, our sessions were around one topic and we watched films related to the topics documentary films, very famous documentary films. And also we discussed topics, we discussed the film. Uh, but more importantly, I also asked the students to create a film 
to, to make a documentary film, which is also, again, a little bit out of box. You know, this is not something that we normally do in urban planning. We normally ask them to do reports, to do posters and, uh, in architecture, urban planning, uh, and this kind of stuff. But they have created films. And today, I'm, in the afternoon, uh, this is the film screening uh, event. And they have produced 12 really brilliant films. I, I watched all of them yesterday. And I am really proud of them because they have created brilliant films without having most of them or many of them, having really no knowledge about uh, video making and video editing. But I mean, I mean it, it is possible to, do, to use this medium and it, it is doable and you can do it in a, in a semester. And this case also showed me that uh, it is really possible. So I'm thinking of just to develop uh, further how to integrate filmmaking and video making into the teaching stuff. And this is one of the things that I will work on that in, in, in the future. Urbinary. Thank you so much for this interview. And uh, as a conclusion, we would like to ask some questions that we uh, ask to everyone. And basically, we want to uh, understand what is a city for you now, but also what it should be uh, in the future. Yeah, very briefly, I have to say that, of course, I am advocating inclusive, equal and diverse societies. So I believe this is the nature of the cities or probably it is not yet the nature of the cities, but it is the true nature of the cities to be to have societies that are uh, inclusive, that are in, uh, that are equal and also at the same time they are diverse. And I believe that we need to move towards this kind of environment to make the cities uh, inclusive, to make the cities more equal and accessible for all the all the people from different uh, socio-cultural and political backgrounds and also uh, make it diverse so diverse societies I am I am in favor of diverse societies and uh, unfortunately these uh, urban inequalities are omnipresent so they are everywhere and we also really need to deal with the, with the growing urban inequalities and also just develop ideas and make programs and uh, nationally, locally, nationally, and probably internationally to deal with the growing urban inequalities. But uh, again, inclusive, equal, and diverse societies are, should be, should be basically the, the future of all the cities all, all around the world. Okay, and in this setting that you just described us, what do you think will be our role as young professional and young urban planning, planners? Yeah, I briefly mentioned that the planners are playing a key role in this regard. But as I said again, uh, we need a positional change in the way that planners think, think and practice, basically. The task of planning and planners should change to accommodate principles of, of equality, principles of democracy, and also inclusiveness into their practices. And also they should move uh, away from being part of the problem making or the part of the institution uh, and avoid serving the uh, wills of the powerful. You know, they need to come to the communities. They need to change their position or their positionality, saying that uh, we no longer should be part of the system necessarily, or we should bring ourselves close to the communities start to talk to them, to understand them in a very respectful manner. And also co-design and co-develop and, uh, and uh, co-create ideas for the, for the communities. Not just sitting in offices 
and also uh, serving a political agenda that is that are coming from from top but going to some, to, to some of uh, or contributing to a bottom up uh, process of decision making and city making that con that the ideas comes from the community and this is something that the the planners should basically do and uh, in a nutshell they need to be socially responsible and they put the communities first, not the politicians and not the, not, not the local authorities or national authorities. And there is another important thing uh, I need to mention. Uh, the planners should also be ethically uh, responsible in, in, in the way that if uh, they feel that the ideas that they are developing or they are being asked to develop is not serving the communities and it, they are ethically responsible to step down and don't accept don't contribute to this uh, top-down decision-making processes that have really little uh, benefit for the community this is an ethical responsibility and this is very important but in many cases you know we, we hear from the planners officers in, in planning this uh, planning department saying that okay this is the decision that has been already made or this is a decision that the mayor has uh, already promised in their in the in the, in, in the campaign all, all these are excuses are not are not acceptable you know you are dealing with people and then you need to de to, to see the people to put the people and the communities first if you believe that what you are doing or what you have been asked to do is serving the communities of course it is ethically okay to continue that. but if you are not comfortable with that or you believe that it's not going to serve the communities it is your ethical responsibility you know we are ethically responsible just to not not accept it and not to be part of the this uh, machinery of uh, uh, of decision make top-down decision making Okay. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, it, it looks a very, very great, uh, very great program. And also, uh, good good luck with your podcast. Thanks again, Reza and Maya. This is Urbinary, a collaboration with Poliradio. Today, along with Professor Reza, we are concluding the first season of Urbinary. It has been a beautiful journey where we have delved into various topics related to our urban environment. Examine them from different perspectives, presented by the experts we have the privilege of hosting in each episode. We aspire to have enlarged your awareness to the of the complexity of urban planning as a multifaceted subject, encompassing social, economical and political aspects. Above all, our aim is to have equipped you with the tools to actively to engage as citizens in shaping the cities you call home and the surrounding environment. There is still much more to explore and discuss, and we hope continuing to produce engaging conversations with numerous other experts. This discussion will not only nurture your curiosity, but also offer diverse viewpoints to help you gaining a deeper understanding of the intricacies of everyday life in our urban surroundings. Urbinary, the podcast cataloging the everyday and extraordinary in the city.